Welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast, the premier Kansas City Royals podcast, finally back on Apple Podcast, presented by Royals Review. I am Jacob Melham, joined as always by Jeremy Greco. Jeremy, happy 2024, man. We uh, we made it to a new calendar. Yeah, I wonder what apocalypse awaits us this year. Well, um, if things in the Pacific are any sign, um, it's going to be a doozy of, of a year, unfortunately. Yay. Yeah, it's uh, it's already been interesting for Japan. So sorry. Sorry for all, all my friends over there. I'm I, only following it closely because I know I, I missed it. what's happening. I'm, I'm still at, in Georgia, so I am not connected <laughs> to the rest of the world. What is happening in Japan? It was it was like New Year's Day. We we hours of the morning, they had a 7.4 um, magnitude earthquake oh, no. near Japan. And then they had a tsunami warning shortly afterwards. Well, yeah. Um, so That's thankfully, as far as That's as us. far as I can tell, um, there's not devastating damage. There is still quite a bit of damage that comes with the with an earthquake. So just uh, just been keeping tabs on that, man, because it, it can be pretty bad. Yeah. But hey, we are we're here to talk about the Kansas City Royals after all. But sure. first, if you want to keep updated on the team as best as possible, you got to go check out Royals Review. You can find them on Facebook, on X, and plus at RoyalsReview.com. We've got a great team over there covering everything from prospects to history to you know, just present day normal baseball stuff. Yeah. That that stuff's on there too. No matter how good the Royals are, the Royals Review team is always top notch. Hey, I like it. I like it. Well, like I said during the intro, we are finally back on Apple Podcasts. So welcome back to our Apple Podcast listeners. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a doozy, but that was a great way to start off the new year, getting the news that we were back up and running on Apple Podcasts. But our favorite platform for you to listen to us on is Spotify, because you can check out our polls and Q&As on Spotify and each week we give you a chance to answer our question and we will read your responses on air. So last week we asked you, the listener, what would you like to ask our exciting guest next week? And a little bit more on that in a moment from Jeremy. But our, our own Preston Farr responded to the Q&A. Nice. Um, he said, been meaning to ask him, but haven't yet. I'm curious how Zips ranks the bullpen after the additions, pre-editions. Yeah it projected them to have a negative 0.1 F war. And Jeremy, I know that was a, that was a big stick. That's my number one question that I I'm ready to ask him. I'm right there with Preston. Yeah, we are. Uh, we are so excited to have our guest on next week. And let's hear a little bit more from Jeremy about him. Yeah. So uh, ho- hopefully can future friend of the podcast, uh, Dan Zimborski, founder, creator of zips. Uh, he writes over at Fangraphs, just tons of terrific content. If you follow him on Twitter, you know that he provides all kinds of entertainment beyond baseball, beyond the box score, uh, beyond having, you know, the amazing uh, projection system that is Zips. He also uh, loves to give people uh, some some Hearthstone cards. If you're familiar with the game Hearthstone, he'll turn baseball players into Hearthstone cards, which is always a good time. He's also, in times past, uh, used the create a wrestler feature of uh, wrestling games. I think it's WWE wrestling games uh, to create baseball players to just duke it out with each other. Um, so, you know, he's got all kinds of great content going over there. So he's definitely an excellent fo- And then, you know, he's also got the baseball analysis stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which that's is just too. also terrific. So give him a follow on Twitter. Um, and very excited to have him on the podcast next week and ask him lots of important questions about his zips projections, including did the Royals get out of the negative position group war dungeon, which is uh, he wrote in his article when he put out the Royals zips, he wrote, he doesn't remember the last time that happened. And I got to tell you, that is a difficult thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> to have a position group that, as a whole, is so bad that it's below replacement level. So it's a good thing the Royals made some some moves there, uh, and and the bullpen should be much improved uh, mm-hmm. versus what those projections suggested uh, next season. 
yeah, but I, I can't wait to chat more with, with Dan next week about that. Um, that episode will come to you next Thursday morning. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever get, you get your podcasts from. Um, we will be having a bonus episode next week. I do, I do want to say that. We will be sitting down with Preston Farr himself, talk about his uh, the team that he is assembling over at Farm to Fountains to talk about more of the Kansas City Royals prospects and stuff. Plus, there are there are a couple of prospects that are just coming out of nowhere that we need to get his insight on. So looking forward to that and check that out next week. It's going to be a big week. This is spring training is kind of right around the corner. Um, it seems like baseball has been gone for a long time because it has. But, you know, we're seeing more workout videos. We're seeing more, you know, it just seems like ball players are getting ready for the trips down to Arizona and Florida in the coming weeks. So. We uh we gotta do the same here, Jeremy, right? We gotta yeah, we gotta get back in the swing. Time time <laughs> to start getting warmed up. I know, right? And I I got my throwing program. Uh do you have uh do you have anything you're working are, on? Are you throwing your voice? What are you doing here? Yes. I'm All right. uh, ventriloquism. <laughs> always a good time. Doesn't well, really translate funny. in podcasts, I'm afraid. No. no. <laughs> Not at all. For for people who've never seen me, you know, I'm just a doll. Actually. Exactly. You're you're my doll, and it turns out that you were my puppet the whole time. Oh my gosh, Jeremy. Hey, listen. Some of, some of our more jaded listeners would uh, would agree with you on that. <laughs> I will say. <laughs> I don't even know what that would mean. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, hey, before we get too far off the tracks, there are a couple of things that we do need to talk about regarding the Kansas City Royals. So first things first, Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas did come out and give us a sort of kind of, I guess, update on the stadium debacle. Um, he said, quote, final deals and arrangements, end quote, could come in the days ahead. We, we knew that if they wanted to get this on the ballot by April. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. No update. Yeah, <laughs> we, we have an update that really is, isn't an update. Um. There's a there's a full long interview on NPR in Kansas City KCUR eighty nine three. Sorry, we've already but, missed the deadline for them to put that ballot measure in April, right? I I don't think so. I thought it was in December. The Jackson County Le- Legislature must decide before January twenty third oh. if it will advance a ballot measure that would renew the team's three eighth cent sales tax for forty years. Then voters would decide whether or not to approve the stadium sales tax in April. I just so, the thing here. I, I'm sorry to just completely derail you, but the thing that I don't understand is the the county kind of made it pretty clear. I, I not just Frank White, a couple other legislators were like, "Yeah, I'm not sure about this whole three eight cents tax thing, y'all." Because um, for one thing, that tax money is earmarked only for the stadiums. Now, maybe if they update it they'll do it in a different way. Um, but they were pretty clear that like this, this may not be the way forward and it's not a popular method for uh, procuring stadium funding anymore. They use ticket taxes now, which the Royals are against. So if they're against this, if the, the County is against this, then what are the Royals offering them that, that make them change their mind? Cause if, if, the only thing they're doing is saying, well, maybe we won't stay in Jackson County. I don't think, I don't think that's worth it. Like I, I, they don't really want to go to Clay County. They don't really want to go anywhere else. They want to be in Jackson County. I, I wish, I hope the, the County is playing hardball with it, but the Royals are going to come back and be like, fine, get the money some, some other way. We'll, we'll deal. Yeah, hopefully so. I am. I, I will say this, Jeremy, there's there's been so many gray area updates regarding the stadium situation that I I haven't been able to invest in it myself. This has been going on for years at this point. Almost two years now, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is. If I recall correctly, I want to say it was in 2021 where Sherman announced that they were intending. More than two years. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. It's crazy to me that this has been going on for so long and there really hasn't happened. Yeah. And they, like stadiums take a while to build, They do, but it doesn't they usually do. take two years from, Hey, we want a new stadium to breaking ground. 
Um, the the athletics, I think, are uh, uh, an, an outlier. Yeah, uh, they're an exception way. to the rule. Yeah, an exception to the rule. I, this, so it's a very odd process, and it's one of the reasons both the county and the team have come under great criticism. Though I think the criticism of the team is more justified than the criticism of the county. Um, there's certainly questions about how the county has conducted itself as well. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that in five or six years time, this is going to be a great saga to look back on once we have all the details and stuff right now. I'm just reading stuff off as they come yeah. in. Maybe, maybe, so, uh, we'll get a, a nice expose in the athletic from Andy McCullough and, uh, the guy who came after him, who's now. And Rustin Dodd. Rustin Dodd, that's him. That's the guy I was yeah. thinking of. You know, they'll come out and give us give us a nice breakdown of like, this is what happened. I'd love, I'd love like an oral history treatment from them oh, yeah. or something. For sure. I agree. That would be the that would be the best way to digest this whole uh this whole situation. So if you want to read or listen to that interview from Quentin Lucas, it will be linked down in the podcast description below. Again, that's on the NPR station there in Kansas City. The only other Royals news to come out over the, I mean, it was a holiday weekend again. Things are a little slow right now. That's okay. The only other update to come out was that Max Castillo was claimed on waivers by the Boston Red Sox. So the right-handed pitcher was designated for assignment. The He was the correlating move with Hunter Renfro, if I do recall correctly. Um, the Venezuelan native was half of the Royals return for Whit Merrifield with the Toronto Blue Jays trade back in 2022. The other half, Samad Taylor, uh, did not have an immaculate 2023 season either. So it's kind of a toss up if the Royals have lost or won that trade. Um, I will say Castillo, he's still 24 years old, still has plenty of team control. He just was not even on Royal standards. He was not getting it done in the bullpen and he was not going to stick as a starter. Um, the ground ball to fly ball ratio was not going to work in Kauffman stadium either. So the Boston Red Sox picked him up, see what he does there. Um, but happy trails to Max Castillo. So Jeremy, let's go ahead and hop right into it. So it's, it's been fun over the holidays to see like the little trends that pop out on baseball, social media, um, I want to say our friend Preston Farr, obviously enough, brought one to Royals Twitter or Royals X, excuse me. And he was talking about like breakout players and players that are going to lag behind or regress and players that are just going to meet expectations. So I wanted to ask or I wanted to discuss some of the breakout players that we are projecting to be in a Kansas City Royals uniform. And in light of our guest next week, we'll uh, we'll run down their zips projections also, and we'll just say why we want why we think they will outperform expectations. Sounds good. Sounds like something at least. Sounds like something. All right. Well, hey, I'll I'll take it there. So, Jeremy, why don't you go ahead and kick us off, man? Who is your breakout player pick? So uh, I know this is probably going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and pick it's Mr. Chris Bubich. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> okay. So he's he's actually projected at a fairly nice 105.3 innings pitched okay. uh, with a 0.9 FWAR next year um, and, and a 4.64 ERA. So, you know, back-end rotation guy. I think mm-hmm. he could be a little bit better than that one projection I have a little bit of an issue with there is he's projected to walk 3.8 batters per nine. I think he's going to be able to pitch better than that. Um, So I think that will bring those numbers down a little bit. And I think we can, we can hopefully expect to see some more from him there. Uh, I did have another guy I was looking at. Do you want to want me to bring him up or you want to take turns? Yeah, might, Might as well, man. Might as well. All right. So the other guy I was looking at is actually, believe it or not, my second favorite, Cole Reagans. Uh, so according to this, he is projected for 1.6 FWAR, which would lead all of the Royals pitchers next year. But that's the same amount as Brady Singer. Mm. And so what on earth happened there? And the answer is that Brady Singer is projected to pitch 143 innings, while Cole Reagans is only projected to pitch 111 and a third innings. So uh, I think that 
really Cole Reagan's probably going to pitch more innings than that. So I think he could he could easily um, get close to that three war. I think he's also he's projected for three point six walks per nine, which I think is a little bit high for him. Uh, so I think I really think that uh, the rotation could be even better than it's necessarily projected to be between uh, Reagan's and Bubich. I think we'll both pitch a little bit better next year than than it thinks. Okay. Okay. I, I do want to point out, haven't heard a whole lot about Chris Bubich this off season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm hoping that the, that the recovery is going well for him. Obviously um, there was a nice little, little video breaking down Cole Reagan's ascent from his like low nineties fastball to his high nineties fastball in the Royals uniform. I, I think I saw that cause you shared it, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was kind of talking about like, some of the stuff that we we've really kind of seen last year, like there was a breakdown uh, in the athletic from Eno Saris late last year, talking oh, about right. uh, how he worked with tread and the kinds of things he did. And the big takeaway was that um, the exercises that tread and really uh, not just tread, but I think you would see also at places that you don't care for uh, that uh, they'll, they're really try to, really narrow down the pitcher and do kind of unique exercises for them because you know if you're just giving them a what tread argues is that if you're just giving them a generic mobility exercise they made it to the major leagues generic mobility exercises aren't going to get them anywhere anymore they they're already doing that so if they're going to get an edge it's going to have to be a program that's tailored specifically for them and the further we get I think the more we realize scientifically that humans are so vastly different from each other on an individual level when it comes to physical uh, stuff, I I think we kind of already knew that because like obviously uh, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are freaks of nature. Like no one can play like they do, right? And, And if human bodies were kind of more similar, I think we would see more people playing like they do but they're not. So uh, really individually tailoring those exercises. And and the key comes in, in, you know, are you actually good at tailoring those exercises? Tread and Cole Reagan's certainly seem to think that, uh, that they've, that they are, they've certainly found something there. You're, you're on mute, Mr. Jacob. Thank you very much, Jeremy. I, I do appreciate that. Um, sorry, the dogs are playing in the background. It, it's hard to hard to disagree with what with what Tread has done with Cole Reagan's. Um, I know just a few months ago we were talking about, hey, we're excited to see what they can do with guys like Colin Snyder and Dylan Coleman and Jonathan <laughs> Heasley, but uh, not so much anymore as all those pitchers are now gone from the franchise. Um, let's see. Thank you for your two. I, I guess I'm going to go on the batting side of things then. All right. My, the first player that I thought of was Dyron Blanco. Um, I kind of had a a sneaky good season last year. What'd you say? Yeah. It was, listen, he he only played in 69 games, but he still had a 1.1 F war. He had a 108 weighted runs created plus. So especially looking at the Royals lineup, that production across the entire season was was pretty good and definitely palatable, um, considering that he also has elite speed and a pretty solid glove and outfield as well. His zips projections are actually very, very bullish, I will say. Um, projecting, let's see, a 97 OPS plus, so just underneath league average in OPS. Um, he a positive person on the on the base paths defensively, projecting out a 1.5 F WAR season from him, and he had he had an interesting comp here in Dan's article. Um, Daron Blanco had a hit comp of Kevin Kiermeyer, who just signed a one year deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. And I think like that's I think that's a fairly good comp for what you're getting in the player, but also one that I'm comfortable, comfortable seeing in Kauffman Stadium, because yeah. we always thought that Kyle Isbell would kind of be that at some point, And it just hasn't happened. Unfortunately, the, the bat has to take some more steps forward, and I just don't know if it will in 2024 so i'm very bullish on blanco he he had some above average babip 
so maybe you got a little bit lucky, but it but wasn't to the you, point. When you got where... speed above average, Babbitt is occasionally a thing. Yeah, that's that's true because he's out there legging out legging out singles. Give me a second, Jeremy. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just uh, go ahead and expand on that Babbitt point a little bit. One thing that I think can be a mistake with Babbitt, and it's a mistake I've made on more than one occasion, is to just say, oh, well, it's an above average Babbitt, so obviously that's going to come back down. And I don't think that that's necessarily a, a, cho- a thing that makes a lot of sense because some players hit the ball hard. Some players run really fast. Some players do both. And so they're mm-hmm. going to naturally have higher Babbitts. Uh, yeah, I think what you'll what, what the better comparison is probably to compare Babip to career Babip, um, okay. and to uh, and to similar batting profile players. So uh, we'd have to dig a little bit deeper, but I I, I don't remember what his Babip was last year. Um, his his Babip last year was point three three zero, so it yeah. wasn't even that crazy. High. We're not talking like a four hundred. Like if you get to like a yeah. four hundred Babip or something, you're like, okay, yeah, that's not going to stay that high. I think Nicky Lopez in his really good <laughs> season had like a three sixty something Babip. So yeah, probably yeah. wasn't smart to think that that was going to stay that high. Uh, which unfortunately mm-hmm. I did. I I was bullish on him. I, I think I used that term Damn. right. Um, you did, you did. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's, that's just one, one kind of caveat I want to throw out there about that Babbitt. It, it could come down a little bit, but I don't, I'm not going to say, well, oh, he's obviously going to lose 30 points of batting average because it's got to come down. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Also, I am more, I'm going to use bullish again. I am more bullish on Nelson Velasquez than okay. what Zips projects him out to be. Zips projects him to be a 0.5 FR player. Across oh, yeah. 499 plate appearances, which I, I understand a good portion of that is probably his defense dragging down that F war. But even his even his batting numbers are are not that great. Zips projects him to have like a, a 301 on base percentage, a 426 slugging coming out to a 98 OPS plus. So yeah, this guy a, that's no, that no 189 it. ISO would be a huge disappointment. Yeah. After Absolutely. last year, I think he had an ISO close to 300, which exactly okay, maybe maybe he's not going to have that again. But uh, one one below 200 also seems like, come on, y'all. Yeah. And so we, we're here talking about about Babip and a lot of my optimism regarding Nelson's performance in 2024 is tied to it. I will say he had all that production last year. And I'm I'm looking at let me look at this because I want to make sure that I'm looking at just his Royals numbers, not his Chicago numbers, because he had some gaudy games with Chicago. So 40 mm-hmm. games, um, 14 home runs for the Royals with 28 RBI. Cool. Struck out a ton. That's okay. And but he did what he did for a 130 weighted runs created plus on a 2-2-1 Babbitt. That is way below league average. Yeah. Way, 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 way below league average. And and, and that ISO, 352. Like, yeah. The projection says his ISO is going to be almost half what it was last year. Exactly. That that doesn't stack up for me at all. No, it, it, it doesn't stack up for me either. And I'm not, frankly, <laughs> I I might be silly going against Zips because usually Zips is close at least to the projections. Maybe maybe I'm not seeing something with with Nelson, but I think he's going to far outperform those Zips projections, and I would love to get Dan's thoughts next week on yeah. why he's expecting that regression of sorts. Because even in 40 games last year, he had a .7 F war with the Royals. Like So he's projecting that not only is Velasquez going to take a step back, but a massive step back. So I'm 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 not too certain about that one Jeremy. What do you think? Yeah, so one interesting thing that he's included in this article uh is the 20th per, 20th percentile projections oh, yeah. and 80th percentile projections. So like 20th percentile is like worst reasonable case and 80th percentile is best reasonable case. Mm-hmm. Um so like you you're probably still not going to get to either of those, but he he Velasquez has a lot of volatility here going from negative 0.9 FWAR to 1.8 FWAR in those projections. Oh, um, so like, 
you, that that's just that's a lot. Uh, yeah, I, Zips, I think in this case, just doesn't necessarily have a lot to go on, and so it's that's true. It's kind of projecting him a little bit conservatively. There's also, I mean, there's reasons that the Cubs traded him for a mediocre reliever. They weren't convinced he was the real deal. Um, and and we've seen before how a second <laughs> half power surge can just absolutely vanish uh, for three, four, five years following uh, yeah. your your first real playing time. But I I I have a better feeling about Nelson Velasquez than I than I did Ryan O'Hearn. Um, I don't know why. I don't have anything to justify that with. But I I think you're right that it, he'll he'll probably be above. I think those those projections that we see for those numbers are kind of the fiftieth percentile projections. So mm-hmm. I think we'll see something above that. Yeah, I I think so. I think the. I'm honestly expecting the 80th percentile in those projections from him. Maybe a little bit more realistic would be in the 70th percentile, though. But like I said, we'll we'll talk to Dan a little bit more about it next week. Those are just a couple of players that we are optimistic about heading into the 2024 season. If you want to hear more of our analysis or just more thoughts regarding the Royals, go check out RoyalsReview.com for articles, podcasts, and much, much more over there. I want to throw one more thing at you about yes. the these projections. The mm-hmm. di- uh, excuse me, Nelson Velasquez's projected ISO for his 80th percentile works yes. out to 226 Damn. after after 352 last year. So huh. in the best case, um, you know, it still sees him losing a lot of that power. However, yeah, it does. Even losing a lot of that power, there's room for him to excel. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think it's smart to to look at him and think, yeah, that's a guy who could be much better than those basic Zips projections. Yeah, and I, I can't wait to see how things play out once the rubber hits the road. I'm, I'm curious if maybe the strikeouts are weighing very hev- heavily on his um, zips projections because they certainly wasn't great last year 29.3 percent strikeout rate but the walks were were solid i mean he walked at a 7.5 percent rate so i i don't know this this is where we need dan just to just to press <laughs> him a little bit on his on his projections and say hey why why is the system saying this about this player when we saw the opposite <laughs> last year Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, Jeremy. Like I said earlier, it's been a pretty quiet week for all things regarding the Royals. Um, But that wasn't the case just a few weeks ago. The Royals are still or still have been one of the most active teams in free agency. Um, They're tied with the Cincinnati Reds for the most overall signings in free agency with six. And I want to say that they placed yeah, they play sixth in overall money spent in free agency. So that hasn't been the case a lot regarding these Kansas City Royals in recent years. So I'm I'm just happy to see that. But just like a fan, I uh, I want more. G- give me yeah. more. I want to want to hear the hot stove keep going. But I want to get your thoughts. Do you think the Royals are done adding via free, free agency? Do you feel that? Yeah, um, I think it's kind of telling like how they were listed as suitors for just about everybody there for a little while, and their name hasn't really come up since then. And and JJ Piccolo kind of signaled he's like, yeah, we're we're this is kind of what we wanted to accomplish, and we've accomplished it. The thing that's interesting to me is that the Royals are still they're still sixth in overall spending. Um, now they were third at one point, so they've come down a little bit, and they probably will come down a little bit more. But the off season's half over; spring training is right around the corner. Um, mm-hmm. And I projected uh, this a uh, couple month ago, two months ago, that we might see a decline in free agent spending because of the rising interest rates, um, mm-hmm. and the uh the way that impacts how big businesses do business and so i think and and i said you know some teams some smaller teams might be really smart 
to go out and spend some money, just a little bit of money, and and try to steal some wins while all the big clubs, like the Padres, are just shedding payroll like crazy. Um, the Yankees went and got a trade guy instead of instead of uh, you know signing anyone new necessarily. Um, the the Dodgers, of course, went nuts, but the Mets yeah. are shedding payroll or not adding payroll. Um, so. I think that, uh, and we've seen it in the division, you know, the twins lost their top two starters and, or at least two of their top three and, mm-hmm. and they haven't replaced them at all. Uh, and you know, nobody's spending here either. So I think, you know, uh, a really crafty team. And this is what I said at the time was that a really crafty team could go in and spend a little bit of money and maybe steal some wins, make a playoff spot and get some of that sweet, sweet playoff money. Um, playoff TV money, playoff yeah. ticket sales, playoff merch sales. They're a real thing. Um, so I, I think maybe that's what the Royals have done here a little bit. Um, I know some people are saying, oh, well, they're doing that to convince people to vote yes for uh, for the new stadium. If that's what they're doing, then they are betting that fans are extremely short-sighted, which mm-hmm. maybe that's a good bet. I don't know. Um <laughs> But uh, I I think that, you know, there's a real possibility that they looked around and said, you know, nobody else is going to be spending money right now because of those rising interest rates. Let's see if we can steal. And, and the central division sucks. So let's see if we can steal a division crown and then maybe, you know, we'll, you know, take our chances in the playoffs, see what, what can happen there. So I, I think that this could be a situation where the Royals do finish the offseason in the top half of free agent spending, uh, maybe even the top 10 that might end up being like 11 or 12. So I think, I think top 10 is probably stretching it, but not by much. Um, And, and I'm looking forward to seeing what their aggressiveness can do on the field. I, I do agree with that, Jeremy, because we have to zoom out and look at this from a thousand foot level. The Royals, for decades now, we, we can say decades, plural, they have been at league average or below league average in payroll. Yeah. And you know what? That's We can say all we want about the small market team or the small market organization, excuse me. And we can point to the Royals winning uh, two pennants in a World Series with a below average payroll. But... It's it's still nice to see them go out and spend some competent money. It seems um, they're yeah. not going out and making just splashy moves. They're they're going out and addressing the moves that fans knew that they needed to address this offseason. Yeah, I, and we've seen you know with Cleveland and Tampa Bay and a couple of others that you can compete with a low payroll if you're willing to be aggressive in trading your stars, um, stuff like that. But the Royals didn't have any of those stars. They nope. were kind of building from scratch, and they and there's kind of been a signal from some of the big media heads that makes me think that the Royals are at least pushing this story, that they realized that with the draft lottery the way it was, they weren't going to be able to just sit back and draft talent in. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to go out and do something else. Um, and And I think they made some really savvy free agent moves. I mean, yeah, would I rather... If money were no object, I would rather have Aaron Nola and Jordan Montgomery and Shohei Otani and whoever else. (laughs) But money is an object for the team. They care about how much they spend, even if I don't. And and so I think that they, you know, they went out. I think I mentioned this last podcast, but considering that this is probably what their budget is, it just is what it is. How else would you have spent this money? Yeah, That's my question is how else would you have spent the $45 million that they gave Seth Lugo? Some people are like, oh, that's an overpay. Where else would you have put $45 million that would get you a better player than Seth Lugo? I would argue it's not there. I, I also look at, um, this is a signing that happened while we were kind of between things um, over Christmas, or no, oh, yeah. over New Year's. Um, Lucas Giolito signed, two-year yeah. deal, $38.5 million. Now, let me tell you, Lucas Giolito, not as good as Michael Walker or Seth Lugo last year. Now I'm he is close. 28. They're both over 30, but he didn't get that much more than they did annual average value. I don't, I'm, I'm not convinced that the Royals overpaid 
for Seth Lugo and Michael Walker. Because if that's what Lucas Giolito's getting, then that's what the market is. Yep. I mean, we're, that's just where the market is when we're looking at all the starting pitchers. That that's what they get um, when they're at that level. So I I think that Giolito is comparable, maybe a little bit better than them. But again, he got a little bit more AAV. So mm-hmm. you know that's that just makes sense. So I I think the Royals spent their money in a way that makes sense. And and again, we've we've talked about this, and I I will keep. This is a point that I think I'm going to just repeat every time I talk about the Royals. For the rest of the year, or uh, yeah, we're in the new year now, so I can say that. Um, uh, for at least the rest of the year till the end of the season, is that Royals may not be good, but they should be at least watchable. Whereas mm-hmm. in 2023, they were unwatchably bad. Yep, agreed, agreed. And you know what? At this point, all I'm asking for is improvement. There is only well, I wouldn't say there's only room to go up from 106 loss season because we have seen worse in baseball, but there is a lot more room upwards yeah. to uh, to improve in the win loss column. So we we touched on that a good amount in the uh, in our previous episode, actually, when we talked about Hunter Renfro and how we expect this team to get better. Uh, Matthew Lamar, the Royals Review deputy editor, was on the episode with us as well. Great chat with him. If you want to go back and listen to that, it should be in your podcast feed, including on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, Jeremy, before we get on to Royals Review Reviews, anything else you want to add or talk about regarding the Royals? Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't have anything else to add right now. I think I, okay. I really wanted to cover the Lucas Giolito signing because I really yeah. do think how how so I'm just going to hammer that one more time. I really think that's indicative that if the Royals overpaid for Seth Lugo and Michael Walker, it wasn't much. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, and even Giolito, I believe got that same player opt out after the first year. So that's just a thing that's going around the league this year. Um, Teams are trying to hand that out instead of handing out money, uh, which makes a lot of sense for both sides. Um, Mm -hmm. Because then if the interest rates come down, okay, well now you can get a better deal because more teams are going to be bidding for your services. Um, so, you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, and, and yeah, uh, I'll stop talking there. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine because I'm also going to hammer a point, not on Giolito, but on Frankie Montas. I don't know if you, if you recognize that name, he yeah. was another free agent starter who only, he pitched, I want to say like two innings out of the bullpen last year. Yeah. It was for the New York Yankees. Yeah. It was maybe a handful at that. And he was, he was expected to be a good part of the rotation. But shoulder injuries kind of kept him out of the rotation. One and a third innings out of the bullpen last year. I'm sorry, how many? One and a third. One and a third. Okay, I was uh, I was trying to round up to two there. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. He Jeremy. appeared in two innings. Oof, yeah, that's true. But even he got like comparable money to Lucas Giolito. If I if I recall correctly, he got a. I know he got a two year deal with the player option or excuse me a mutual option worth 20 million dollars and it is it was crazy to me to see to see that number and from a team who should be making moves to contend in the New York Yankees making a move like that instead of just going out and buying a Jordan Montgomery or a Blake Snell perhaps who's still on the open market Jeremy I, I heard you typing over there what you got yeah so one year, sixteen million deal, um, and I think you mentioned them that mutual option with a two million dollar yep. buyout. So really, it's an eighteen million dollar deal. They're just spreading that money out right. a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, would I rather have Frankie Montas for eighteen million or Michael Walker for sixteen or Seth Lugo for fifteen? I know, I know which one I prefer at this point right now. Yeah, yeah, me, me too. So. Of course, we will we'll see how these moves work out once opening day comes. We'll get a little glimpse at it in spring training, see how the Royals are performing on the diamond. Um, we're, we're just trying to trying to keep you interested and informed on the Kansas City Royals for the time being. But let's go ahead and start wrapping up the podcast here. and Let's get to our Royals review reviews. So, Jeremy, I will start us off this evening just to just to knock this out real quick. Um it's it's a little bit of an older book. It's from 2020, and I don't think I've done a review on it yet, but I do want to suggest you go out 
and by a fan's guide to baseball analytics by Anthony Castrovinch. Um, Anthony is a MLB.com columnist, been there since 2004. He has been there for a for a long, long time. And what he does in this book is he takes individual stats and says, hey, this is or this is how this fits into modern baseball and this is how it works. And then he also takes other stats and says, hey, look, this is how this came about. But this is why it does. It shouldn't factor in to modern baseball as much. So, for example, I just read the chapter today about the saves and how save came about to try to, you know, differentiate between a normal win and a, and a late inning save. And he talked about, OK, that's gotten a little bit construed now. This is why you shouldn't put too much weight into a save because and he tied it back to the Royals, of all things, talking about how Greg Holland won the reliever of the year award over Wade Davis in a year where Wade Davis was markedly better than Greg Holland. But Holland just got more saves and was pretty elite in his own right. So a very digestible book. It's about 240 pages long. I get it. Easy to read, though. Goes over a ton, a ton of different analytics. And surprisingly, it's not number heavy. So please go check that out. Go give it a read. And I feel a little bit smarter walking away from it. Jeremy, what you got for a a review, man? I am. I'm not going to make anybody smarter. I am (laughs) going to help them have some fun with a video game that like uh, that that people are really sleeping on. They're sleeping hard on this game. Are you ready? Marvel's Midnight Suns. This okay, is a okay. game that came out late 2023. So it was kind of buried in the holidays. And it kind of got a curse of like, oh, uh, the Marvel, uh, what's it called? Um, where people are tired of Marvel. And it kind of got the curse of the, yeah. the 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 Marvel's Avengers had come out from Crystal Dynamics on all the platforms, and it was live service, <laughs> and it shouldn't have been live service, and it wasn't very good. Like it was very good as a single player, but once you got to the live service in game stuff, there just wasn't anything so to do. It was boring, and it it kind of soured a lot of people. In fact, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, video game had a similar problem where it came out and people thought, oh, well, this must be another live service Marvel game uh, movie tie-in and it's not going to be any good. <laughs> and the thing yeah. about all three of these games I mentioned is that none of them are movie tie-ins. These are all comic tie-ins. The Avengers game is based on comic versions of those characters, not the MCU versions. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, same thing. And then uh, and in Midnight Sun's case, it's based on a comic series called Midnight Suns, um, but also a group of heroes called Midnight Suns. And um, Guardians of the Galaxy was very good. This game, I've been obsessed with it. Okay? It took okay. it Dang. took me about two hours. I'm sorry, this is going to be a long one. Uh, it took me about okay, two hours to get through the tutorials at which, where the game was just trying to make me think that it was going to be as boring as humanly possible. But then once I got through the tutorials, I was introduced to Superlink which is basically superhero Facebook for all of the superheroes <laughs> that you're gathering for your team. And they'll make these goofy posts and snark back and forth at each other. And it's so amazing. And one of the things that you could see in games like guardians of the galaxy, even in Avengers and in midnight suns is an opportunity to really mm-hmm. explore the people, the characters, instead of just like, Oh, we fight hard or, you know, uh, all the traumatic events. You get to see them, like, interact with each other. Um, Persona is a series that's known for its its player interactions with other with the non-player characters and, and the deep relationships you can build there. It could take some lessons from Midnight Suns on how right. to really build relationships and on how to make it seem like these characters interact with each other outside of the protagonist. Um, it is just... I have had so much fun with this game. The it's it's got a really tight loop once you get through that tutorial that makes it easy to just go one more thing, one more thing. The first night I played it after I got through the tutorial, I one more thing to my way to 3 a.m. I was very glad I did not have work the next day. Um it, it was just uh it's just so much fun. And 
I do at this point have to warn you, it is kind of buggy because it didn't get a lot of sales. It didn't get great reviews. So they cut support for it. And there's one bug in particular that drives me absolutely up the wall where one of the best armor pieces, armor sets in the game, you can literally not acquire uh, because they bugged the chest that that you're supposed to get it from. So you can't get it unless you are a player on PC and then you can download a mod that will uh, put it in a different chest. Um, so yeah. that is kind of a bummer. But what that means to me is that this game, this developer needs a second chance. This needs a sequel to really just expand on the things that are good and clean up the things that are bad. And mm -hmm. I desperately need this game to have that sequel and to see what that could look like. So I need you all to go out and buy this game on whatever platform you want to play it on. Go out and get it. It's on Switch. It's on PlayStation. It's on Xbox. It's on PC. It's Steam Deck. You know, whatever you want to do, go out, buy this game, show it some love because it needs a sequel. And even with the bugs, there is a lot to love here. And um, I really hope people will go out and, and find a way to love this game like I have. Yeah, certainly hope so, man. That's a that's a hell of a glowing, glowing review, especially, you know, looking at it's it's not really a, a game I would assume you would play if if you know what i mean it's not a it's not an ip that i would assume you would invest yeah, in, you know a, what i mean i'm a huge marvel mark so okay. i had my eye on it for a while but i wasn't sure about it and then it got all those bad reviews and i wasn't sure about it um and then uh one of my friends played it and he was like no this game is legit and so I was like, okay. all right, I'll give it a try. And like I said, for those first couple hours, I was like, I do not know about this, man. I don't know about <laughs> this at all. Uh, and then I got through the tutorial areas and like things started to open up. You can explore. Um, it's got some tactical turn-based combat. So think um, it's from the developers of XCOM. So if you're an XCOM fan, that's okay. that, it's that gameplay. Um, Final Fantasy Tactics is something else that I think of as a game I've played that I enjoyed. Um, obviously this is 3d instead of isometric, but, uh, there's so much good stuff here. The system is really, really deep and really broad and it's not hard to understand, but it is difficult to master, which I think is the sweet spot for video game gameplay is like, you want to have that. And it's, it's, you, there's a, you can adjust the difficulty at any time, um, outside of a battle. So you're like, oh, this is a little bit too hard. You can turn it down. Oh, this is a little bit easy. You can turn it up. And then if you're like, oh, no, it got hard again, you turn it back down. And that's all fine. It just affects your rewards. Um, you can still earn all your trophies or achievements at any difficulty, including the story level difficulty, which is like where the enemies barely know what they're doing. Um, oh, dang. Yeah. So it's there's there's a lot of options and variety and versatility here. And one of the really cool things is that it's um, one of my favorite things that you'll see. Uh, with Marvel video games is exp um, expanding on characters that haven't been made huge in the MCU yet. So Ooh, like yes. I played Avengers and uh, Miss Marvel was the hero of that game before the Miss Marvel TV series had come out. And I fell in love with Miss Marvel, the character from playing that game. I was like, I didn't know who you were. You're really cool. I like you. I want to hang out with you more. Now, obviously Iron Man, Hulk, you know, Dr. Strange, these big name guys, Captain America, they show up in all these games. But there's more here, too. In, in, in Midnight Suns, you've got uh, Magic, who's uh, a Russian X-Man related to Colossus, for those of you who are not quite as familiar. He, he, you've seen him in the Deadpool movies, at least. Yeah. Um, it's got, you know, it's got uh, Wolverine interacting with Captain America and Iron Man in a way that you haven't seen for a long time outside of the comics. Um, it's It's got... Um, some DLC characters, they added Deadpool, Venom, Morbius, um, and Storm. Uh, Blade is here like for it. the first time in a while. Haven't seen him for a while. Um, just a lot of fun, a lot of really cool interactions. And and like I said, there's there's you can hang out with people at night and you're like, oh, I'm going to play some video games with, uh, with Spider-Man over here and that's going to be a good time. <laughs> but also, yeah. uh, Blade is going to start a book club and you can go do a book club with Blade, Captain Marvel, and Captain America and just be like, yeah, this is a good time too. <laughs> um, so okay. 
there, there's a lot of good stuff going on there. And, and a lot of heroes that you may not have heard of, or you may not know very well that you can spend some time with and get to know. And, and, and even the characters that you are familiar with, you're going to get different versions of them. Like iron, this iron man is a little bit uh, more egotistical and, and definitely a real alcoholic. So you've got to deal with that kind of stuff happening in your game. Um, not, not like, Oh no, he's an alcoholic. This is downer. But like, he's like, Oh yeah, I don't, I don't go near the bar. It's fine. Um, so, you know, that addresses a lot of stuff. And like I said, a lot of really interesting character interactions that you just aren't going to get in the movies because the movies are too busy being quip, 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 explosion, explosion, special effect. Um, Very true. And, and those are fun. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, I'm a huge Marvel. They are, they are. But, but it's fun to really kind of dive in and see what these characters can do when they interact with each other as well. Very true. All right, man. Hey, thanks. Thanks for your uh, thanks for the, the review. I do appreciate it. One more thing before we get on out of here that I failed to talk about. So I did plug that you can participate in our Q and A's and our polls on Spotify. I talked about the Q and A's, but I did want to bring up the poll, especially since it had a lot to do with our last episode. So in the poll, Jeremy, we asked, "Well, Matt raised the bar for how much the Royals will improve." So let's reset. How many wins will Kansas City improve by in 2024? And I gave him three options, and I want to get your thoughts on which option was the leader. I gave options for 13 to 16 wins, 16 to 20 wins, and 20 plus. Which do you think was the most picked? Uh, 16 to 20. Okay, well, it was a trick question because it was a tie. It was a tie between 13 to 16 and 16 to 20. So. Between those two, it was 83.4% of respondents picked one of those two options. So that's a, that's a pretty pretty good improvement. If, if you do ask me, I would be very happy to see a 20-win improvement. Could you imagine that? 76 yeah, no, win. a 20-win improvement would be what? They'd win 76 games? Yep. They'd be right there in the playoff hunt in September again, based on how bad <laughs> AL Central is. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that would be fun. I would enjoy that. I would like to do that. Let's do that. Yes, I would. You know, uh, improve I would... by 20, 25, 27, 28 wins, win the division. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Might as well. <laughs> might as well. Might as well go for it all, I guess. <laughs> all right, y'all. Hey, like I said, you can, if you're listening to this, you know where to find us. But if you want us to actually hear your voice, you got to go over to Spotify where you can respond to our Q&As and polls over there and we will even even with our special guests we will read your responses to the q a's on air so we always appreciate hearing from you our listeners and just talking royals baseball and just seeing what we could do to make the podcast better another good way to get a hold of us is on x at royal rundown pod you can uh, find us there and plus our links are in the podcast description below jeremy anything else before we get on out of here have you? Uh, did you buy Midnight Suns yet? Go do it. No, I've not bought Midnight. I have no. been sitting here the whole what you, time. What are you waiting for? I <laughs> I spent like ten minutes talking about the game. Go buy it. <laughs> I I could have probably downloaded half the game by now. Yes. If uh, if I had gone and got so you I'm know what that you are not. You failed me. Shame on me. Shame on. Me. Well, hey everyone out there who's still listening. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. And we can't wait to hear from you next time. And until next time. Go Royals!